Thanks, Pastor. I appreciate it. <clears throat> well, good evening, everybody. I don't know about you, but that sure blessed my heart. Whew. I could probably go home right now and be okay, you know? So that was, uh, that was good. Aaron and his wife, they, they've done our church's uh, music for our couples retreat the past few years. And man, I tell you what, it's been a, a huge, huge blessing to have them and to know them and, and all that. So, uh, man, this has been good, hasn't it? I mean, this whole, this whole thing has just been amazing. I mean, the music, uh, the preaching, uh, and man, the message last night was fantastic, wasn't it? Um, I mean, you guys are amazing. I mean, the food has been good. The fellowship has been good. Um, I, I just, I really appreciate that. I mean, um, I mentioned, I, I, I thought, I thanked you the other night whenever we got that, you know, that special gift from you guys. And uh, we were praying for tires for our, our van and for my truck. So um, I travel a lot in my truck. And it, it was funny, we were praying about it really for just a short amount of time. And um, you guys obviously answered the prayer for the van. And then just the other day, I got a call from some friends of ours in Michigan, and they're like, hey, uh, we're going we're gonna to send you $1,000. We just want to be a blessing to you. And I'm like, well, that's the tires on my truck. Praise the Lord. You know, it's very encouraging to see how God does things like that. You know, I mean, you pray for it, and I mean, could we have saved the money? I mean, we could have. It would have taken, I mean, you think it's probably $2,000 or pretty close to that to get tires on both vehicles, you know, replaced. But could we have saved it? Sure, it would have taken a little bit. But God met the need. Man, it was amazing. So I, I thank you guys for that. Um, we had lunch today where the guys went out and had lunch, and we had a good time of fellowship. And that Mexican restaurant across the street, man, that's a good one. So that's real good. Uh, so tonight, uh, we're going we're gonna to be in Mark chapter 5. Um, I don't know how often the maniac of Gadara is looked at uh, during a missions conference. But the focus for me to convey the message to you this evening and really the whole time that, I've, that I'm here is that God wants to use you. I, I have literally, I've literally traveled the world and the need for the gospel is, is great. I mean, it is great. Greater than probably any of you could ever imagine. Because we have churches on every corner. We have Baptist churches. We have churches that aren't like us. But there's churches everywhere. It's not like that in other countries. I mean, you literally have... Oftentimes, there's one, one dominant religion that dominates the, like an entire culture. And they're born that way. They're born into a religion that they've adopted... And it's, a, it's not only a religion that you have to convince them that they're wrong, it's, a, it's an entire lifestyle. It's, it's, it's hard. I mean, you know, some, some of the missionaries that are here, I, they may see 15, 20, 30, 100 people saved, I, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they go somewhere and they plant a church and they win one or two people to the Lord. But you don't know what those one or two people will do for the Lord after that. It's important that we answer the call that God has for each and every one of us. So today, this evening, we're going to look 
uh, at a man that's very similar to most of us. This man, this maniac of Gadari, I mean, you guys may know the story. But I mean, he's, he's consumed. He's completely full of demons. So much to the, to the point where he has no ability to control himself anymore. He, he's living in a, in a graveyard, unclothed, you know. And he's in a, a huge, unbelievable place of desperation, which you and I have been there. Think about prior to our salvation. Were we not in a great place of desperation prior to getting saved? Of course we were, because we were destined for hell prior to that. If that's not desperation, I don't know what is. But we're going to read this, and uh, we're going to get into the message tonight. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says, And they came over into the other side of the sea unto the country of the Gadarans. So the they is Jesus and his disciples. Okay, you guys, okay, in Mark chapter 4, um, you remember when the storm came and Jesus told them that they didn't have any faith, right? Well, that's what just happened. Okay, so there, there was a big storm, they calmed the storm, and they finished their journey to this area right here. So chapter, or verse 1, it says, and they came over to the other side of the sea and to the country of the Gadarenes. So they just finished that storm journey and Jesus calming the storm, okay? Verse 2, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately he met a man, or he, he met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had often, uh, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken into pieces. Neither could any man tame him, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not Send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And, in, uh, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently, violently down the steep place into the sea. Uh, they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him with the possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told him how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends, 
and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and had had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we need you tonight. We need your presence. God, we need you to prepare our hearts for the message. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in here tonight that you're uh, working on their heart about surrendering or about serving, God, I pray that tonight be the night that they make the decision to um, just do whatever it is that you'd have them to do. Pray that you would be with me and use me, cleanse me. Lord, make me a vessel unto honor and meet for the master's work. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this story. I really, uh, I take to this guy a whole lot, you know, because my, my life was in shambles. I, you know, my testimony the other day, I told you that, you know, I grew up in a, in a home where drugs and alcohol is very prevalent. I was thinking about it the other day. I was in fifth grade when I started doing drugs with my mom. Fifth grade, 11 years old. Isn't that crazy? Like, who does that, right? I didn't know any different. And I mean, that, that evolved into me eventually selling drugs and just all kind of craziness. I was, I was controlled by my sinful nature. Thankfully, I got saved. God changed my life. But we find this man here, this man that is consumed by these 2,000 demons. Would you not agree with me that he is a great place of desperation? All of us, prior to our salvation, we, we could look and say, yes, we, we were in a great place of desperation. The demons were in charge. Um, all the places that I've been in the world is in a great place of desperation. When I went to Mongolia just a few months ago, I've never seen anything like it. They're, they're shaman and, um, and, and Buddhist. They kind of do a mixture. Like there's all these temples that are, are shrines that are up on these mountains and they go up and worship things and they put money and they do all this stuff. And I don't really know what the end goal is for them, but I know that it's a, it's a works-based. They have to do and do and do so that they hope that it's good enough to get them wherever they're supposed to go. We went to a... Um, we were in the city. We were coming out. We were getting ready to leave of, of uh, uh, Mongolia. And we went to the city. And in this city, there's a huge Buddhist temple. So they said, we, we're going to go see this. That's kind of what we did one day. So we went and I, I got to see the world's largest indoor Buddhist statue. It was sad. It was very sad because you walk in and there's incense burning. And there's people that are crying and wailing and you know, there's these uh, prayer wheels that people are, are going along and spinning these prayer wheels. And then on the outside uh, of the walkway, there's they're literally they're, the, the, the walls of this building were lined with there were over two, literally 2,000 idols. Little, little dolls that are in, in cases all along the back wall. They think what they're doing is getting them somewhere with whatever God it is that they serve. 
I made a decision that day. I evaluated the situation and I had decided that these people have a closer relationship with something that doesn't exist than most of the Christians that sit inside the churches today. And that's sad. It's free for us. Our salvation is free. To keep it is free. We don't have to do anything because once we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, our eternity begins at that very second. The world is needy. I'm thankful for these men and women that have surrendered to the call to go somewhere to preach the gospel. It's nice to have missionaries come in and to share their 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 video and to give their testimony, but you, most of you have no idea the sacrifice of leaving family, the financial burden of trying to start a church and, and, and provide for it through the funds that people think that's already too much. Why does a missionary need five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000? Imagine running this church off of $70,000. You can't do it. Well, when a missionary comes through and they're asking for support, they're not asking for support specifically for them so they can drive a, a, a nice car and live in a nice house. The money that they're asking for is to also fund the church that they're about to start. So if they ask for $10,000, they probably need more than that. There's so much that most, most of the time congregations don't know. But praise the Lord for men and women that have surrendered their lives to the call that God has given to them. You know, the thing is, you look at, at this passage, when, when they were in that boat, and they were going over to the, the area of the, of the uh, Gadarans, this trip, it was specific to this man. It was specific. If, if you look, the, you, we read the passage, right? So the trip they landed, they talked to the man, they cast the demons out, and they left. There was no other reason that they came other than the fact that it was to cast the demons out of this man. It was, it was specific. Did you know every missionary that's here tonight, Brother Clower and his family, Aaron and his family, Brother you and your family, God has called them to a specific place to meet with a specific group of people for a specific purpose. Specifically. It's not just, they're not just shooting from the hip. Like this is part of God's plan for them to go somewhere exactly where God has them to do a work that God has for them specifically. And I hate to tell you, and I don't, I don't want to sound... I don't want to sound mean, and I don't want to sound bad, so don't take it this way, but whether you support these guys or not, they're going to do God's work. I've been in so many churches that hasn't supported us that it has even said that what we're doing isn't even uh, ministry. Well, <laughs> we must serve different gods because I know God's called me, and I've done amazing things that God has allowed me to do and I'm so thankful for that opportunity <sighs> but the thing is they're going to do what God has called them to do now the question the question is do you want to be a part of it do you want to be a part of what they're doing 
That's the whole thing about missions, right? Because, see, we're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Are we not? We are. But how do we do that? How? Because I can't be everywhere, and neither can you. But out of all your um, dozens and dozens of missionaries that you guys support, I would almost guarantee that the sun does not set on the gospel being preached with the people that you support. I'm a sinner. I'll tell you right now, I mess up all the time. I mean, there's, I, I mean, I do. And I'm sure you do too. So when God tells me to do something, and if I can fulfill something that God has told me to do, obey him in a certain way, like go ye into all the world, and the way that I do that is by giving to my missions program, count me in. Count me in. So the question is, it's not about whether you... Um, like these missionaries or like any of the missionaries, it's a matter of do you want to get, on on God, get in on God's plan? Do you want to be a part of what God is doing with these missionaries and with your church as you send the gospel out into all the world? So the trip was specific. I, I, remember, I remember that day that I got saved. I remember when I went into the office of the assistant pastor and he explained to me that I was a sinner and that I needed Jesus Christ to pay for my sin debt. I remember how specific it was the day that the Holy Spirit knocked on the door of my heart and convicted me and told me that I needed to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior or I was going to die and go to hell. And I'm thankful that happened. But the thing is, is if, if I would have passed up that opportunity, who knows when it would have come back around again, Right? I'm thankful that I answered the call of the Holy Spirit that day to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. So the greatest tool that you and I have in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is what Christ has done for you. Not only are we supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but what about here? What about in this town, in this city? You say, well, I, I've never... Um, I've never gone to Bible college. I don't, I don't know how to witness to people. I've never gone through a 13-step program. I, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. Well, can you tell people what Christ has done for you? Can you tell them about how you were a sinner and about how you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior to pay for your sin debt? If you can do that, that's your greatest tool that you could ever have is what Christ has done for you. First thing was their trip was specific. The second thing I want us to look at is this guy had a reputation. You think about it, okay? So it said that he had often been bound with fetters and chains. How do you think that happened? This is, I love imagining stories in the Bible, right? So this is what I'm thinking. You can imagine however you want to, but this is, this is how my mind works. I'm thinking there's a group of good old boys just over the hill in the town, and they're like, hey, let's get together. We're going to take those chains and those fetters, and we're going to go up there, and we're going to tie that dude up. That's, I mean, that's, that's what I'm thinking, right? So they go up there, you know, with their lantern, ho, wee, and they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna bound this guy up. Well, do you think, for a, if this dude is filled full of 2,000 demons, crazy, I mean, he's crazy enough to, be, to cut himself, and he's running around naked, crazy, do you think he's going to be like, well, y'all go ahead and get it over with? I don't think so. I'm almost, 
if I was a betting man, I'd say he's probably going to put up a fight. That's what I think. So them good old boys come up there. They may get him bound, but somebody's probably walking home with a limp. Maybe, maybe there's a bloody nose involved. Well, I said often. So they're, they're coming up all the time, you know, and doing this to him. So in the town, people know about him, right? If they didn't know about him, they wouldn't be concerned about tying him up. Imagine the reputation that he has in that town. I had a man call me the other day. Well, he messaged me on Facebook. And uh, he said, hey, Clint, what's going on, man? This is the guy. This is the guy I used to sell drugs to, the guy I used to party with back in high school, okay? I hadn't heard from this guy in a decade. Maybe, probably, maybe even more than a decade. He says, as we did some small talk, and then he got right to it. He said, listen. He said, I got a question. Um, he said, I see what's going on in your life. And he said, I don't really... I'm not religious. He said, I don't really know how to start. He said, can you help me? Yeah. Yes, I can. I said, this is not a conversation that we need to have on Facebook. I said, we need to talk. So I gave him my number, and he said, I get off at 4 o'clock. I said, okay. He called me at like 3.55. He was itching. So I went down to my office, and I talked to him. And I explained, I went through Romans Road, and, and uh, you know, he said, you know, he said, out of everybody that I know, he said, you're the only one that I can trust to not judge me because I know you came where I came from. I'm like, I know, man. I said, God's good, though. I said, no matter what you have going on in your life, I said, God will take care of it, man. I said, don't expect it to happen overnight. I said, but, you know, I said, let's get... Number one, let's get salvation taken care of. Let's get our eternity taken care of, right? And then we'll work on the rest. So because of my reputation, because of how he knew me, and because of what he's seen God do in my life over all these years, he called me and said, can you help me? What about you guys tonight? You guys that have a reputation. You guys that, you know... Maybe your past is the same way. Are you allowing God to use that? Or are you using that as a, as a roadblock to keep God from using you? I know you, some of y'all in here probably come from some wild backgrounds, just like me. The Bible promises us all things work together for good. So even though that's where you were, that's not where you are, now let's use it for him. So we see that he had a reputation. Now, the next thing that I want to look at. Okay, so he wants to get on the boat with Jesus. Look, look what Jesus did done for, just did for him, right? He cast all these demons out. He's, he's fresh, he's new, he's got clothes on. I mean, he's, he's able to speak for himself now. And he, when Jesus gets ready to leave... He wants to go with him. <laughs> I would too. Wouldn't you? Let's look again at what Jesus says here. Verse 19. Go home to thy friends 
and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. All he had was what Jesus had done for him. That's all he had. How are these people all over the world going to know about Jesus if we don't have somebody with a testimony to go and share it to them? So he goes and he tells these people and it's, it's amazing. It says they, they marveled at what Jesus had done. But you know what, what amazes me about this whole thing is, yes, he doesn't have any demons in him anymore. But he still has the scars. He still has the baggage. He still has a, probably still a reputation that follows behind him. Is he perfect? Not by any means. But Jesus still uses him. He still uses him. He says, in spite of all these things, in spite of your scars that people can see, in spite of the baggage that you drag behind you, in spite of all these things that people may say about you, I want you to go and tell everybody what I've done for you. Oh, man. This resonates with me. Because... Anybody that has a background, you can, put, you can put your mask on that everything's okay, but we all have baggage. And the only strength that we have to get through those things that we deal with is through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of my key verses that I, that I, that I use all the time is, the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Because I, I have bad days, and I'm sure you guys do too. But our A number one focus should be to be getting the gospel to the world, to your community, to your state, to the world. So I praise the Lord for these families that have uh, accepted the call that God has given to them to go ye into all the world and to spread the gospel to their specific place. But now the question is for you, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about sharing the gospel into all the world? Are you going to get behind these missionaries that are here this week and say, you know what, I want to get on board with what you're doing. You guys probably don't have another missionary in Washington. You probably don't have uh, another missionary in, in that part of Japan. And I'm sure you don't have another missionary in Mozambique. So this week, tomorrow's, tomorrow's it. Tomorrow's the end of the missions conference. What have you committed to the Lord? How much have you committed to your faith promise? How much are you willing to do or go or give for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Nothing's too much. Nothing's too much. You, all you have to do is what God desires for you to do. Now let's look and see what happens here. We're going to finish with verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship and to the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. Why do you think much people gathered unto him? Because of the work of the man that went back into Decapolis 
and shared what Jesus had done for him. He went in and he said, look what Jesus has done for me. And there was a crowd. When Jesus came back again, there was a crowd waiting to see Jesus. Waiting to see him. So, with that being said, how many people have you affected with your life, with your testimony, with your money? Who's waiting to see Jesus when they close their eyes in death from the effort that you have put forward? With the work that you have done, Who's waiting to see Jesus? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity, God, that you have given to us to be here and to open your word and to pray. And, and God, I just pray that during this week, you would speak to us about what you would have us to do for missions. And God, I do ask that you would encourage your people, God, to just... Um, See if they would have a part themselves in missions to surrender their life to go somewhere in the world. God, we thank you and we love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment. You know, many times we can focus of this meeting is about missions. Maybe, maybe you were like me Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've been part of church. Or maybe not. But you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I feel like maybe I'm like that man. Maybe, maybe the reason that I'm here tonight is there's a specific reason, and that's to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I wonder tonight if that would be you. Friend, don't worry about what anybody else is going to think of you. That, that's not important because I guarantee everybody would be happy anyway. But if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not sure if you died that you would be in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, we'd love to take the Word of God and show you how you can be saved. That's, that's why you're here tonight. And you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died where I would go. Just slip it up and put it right back down. I just want to pray for you. Nobody else is looking at tonight. Pastor, would you pray for me? And Christian, can I ask you tonight... Look, we've, we all have baggage. We all have things in our past. And the devil wants to bring those things up and try to make us think that because of our past and because of our baggage that, that God, God can't use us. Wait a minute, friend. God saved us despite our baggage and all of that. If he's willing to save us despite all of that, don't you think he wants to use us as well? So many times we, we let the devil get victory in our life. Well, I just don't think God can use me because of my past. Wait, he's given you a future. He's given you a new life in Jesus Christ. And he wants to use you. Would you let him? Would you let him? Maybe tonight when we have the invitation in just a moment, the piano begins to play. Maybe you need to come and say, God, I've been making excuses I've been making excuses about my past and my baggage, and I haven't 
I haven't surrendered. But God, you know my past. You know my baggage. And if you're still willing to use me, God, here am I. Here am I. Friend, what are you doing to get the gospel to a lost and dying world? I wonder if with our heads bound and our eyes closed, we're just going to stand quietly. The piano is just going to begin playing softly. Maybe God's spoken to your heart tonight. Is there, is there some baggage? Is there something in your life that you're saying, God, I, I just need to let go of that? Because God's not holding it over you. He, he was willing to forgive you of that when you came to him as, as you said, said Savior. 